Amen. John chapter 5. John chapter 5 this morning. You know, the right kind of music can stir your heart. And uh, what a blessing. I came in this morning. It's been, I don't know why, but Sunday mornings I set my alarm for 6.30 and I'm waking up before the alarm and excited to get to church and uh, trying to get here before 7 o'clock and and uh, sometimes Brother Judge is already here working. I appreciate that. And, and uh, this morning I went in my office and I put on a song. I'd never heard it before, but I'd heard this choir sing before. And uh, I just thought, I'm just going to pick one of their songs and listen to it. And, and I picked one called The Blood. The Blood. I'm going to tell you, it made, it made me want to do things with excellence. Because when God sent his son, he sent his very best. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, at our worst, Christ died for us. He sent his very best. And boy, I, I, that stirred my heart. 1 Samuel 12, 24. This isn't my sermon. It might become my sermon if we're not careful. But 1 Samuel 12, 24 says this. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he hath done for you. What an incredible thought. With all your heart. The word serve him in truth or that phrase serve him in truth. It means without hypocrisy. It means that it ought to be a true reflection of our heart's love for Jesus Christ when we serve him. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth. It reflects how we feel about him. That's why I'm going to be honest with you. That's why I'm always harping. Hey, if you're going to sing, practice. Do your very best for the Lord. You know, do you know that even the worst singer can smile? You really can. You can get up and smile. We used to have a fellow, I'm going to be honest with you, he couldn't sing a lick. But boy, he got up with joy on his face. My wife, my wife here, she in junior church, Noel Mendez. And Noel, he could hardly speak English. But when he sang, there was always a tear coming down his face. And he was always smiling. And he'd even get up sometimes and say, I, I know I can't sing very good. But he says, I have a song in my heart. Hey, I'll take that attitude any day. And so we ought to just do our very, very best for the Lord. Do you know the Israelites, before they'd even go into the temple, they had to sanctify themselves? Can I, can I say this? That you gathering here today... To worship the Lord is the most important thing you'll do this week. It is the most important thing you'll do this week. Coming together in corporate worship and praise. Spending time with the Lord. Making it a priority in your lives. And a lot of times our kids don't think church is important maybe because we don't make it important. It is the most important thing you'll do this week. Everything else is, is God has given us breath that we might praise him. I know you have to put food on your table. I understand that we have our jobs and those are uh, important things in our lives. But I, I, I honestly believe this. God has given you those things to enable you to serve him better. They are just tools that you can use them for his glory. And God has placed you in your workplace or wherever you might be that you might be a witness and a lighthouse for Jesus Christ right there in that place. But also that you might bring all those gifts and talents that you learn and gain in those places and bring them and lay them at Jesus' feet that you might bring him much glory. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth for consider how great things he hath done for you. I appreciate those that work hard and strive to make our services excellent. I was thankful a couple weeks ago I made a visit. Uh, Brad and I went and visited a lady that had been coming to the church a little bit and she said, here's what, I, what I, I've learned about Bethel Baptist Church. She says, nobody's perfect but you strive to do things for, with excellence for Jesus Christ. Hey, God gave us his very best. We ought to do no less for him. So that's, that's my little uh, sermonette this morning. Let's get to the sermon, all right? Matthew, or sorry, where are we? You tell me. John 5. John chapter 5. 
John chapter 5. Brother Paul forgot the birthdays and anniversaries this morning, and he's going to announce those during the announcement time. There was actually no anniversaries. Isn't that odd that there's no June anniversaries? But we're going to create one this week. There's a wedding this Saturday, uh, Pankhurst and Foreman. And so that's on this Saturday. You remember that, June the 6th. And also, 18 years ago on June the 6th, uh, Pastor Barry and Jennifer Rutherford were married. So if you keep in contact with them, wish them a happy anniversary way out in, in Beaver Valley Baptist Church in Montrose, British Columbia. And I know that they'll be encouraged that you remember them. So June the 6th is also their wedding anniversary. Let's look at John chapter 5 this morning. Let's have a word of prayer before we read. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I struggle to understand why you would desire sinful creature like me to worship you. It's such a wonderful privilege. And Father, if we can do anything to improve how we worship you, how we praise you. Father, I pray that you would teach us how. Father, may we do our very best and serve you in truth. Father, I pray you bless our time in your word this morning. Encourage our hearts and help us as we look at Jesus, the great physician. We thank you for the power that you placed upon your son to allow him to be our savior, to heal the brokenhearted, that we might have victory in Jesus, and we know it's all because of your grace. So, Father, we pray that you'd help us to turn our minds and our hearts and our thoughts towards Jesus this morning and learn more about him. And, Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called, in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then, first after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been a long, now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. As we've been exploring these portraits of the Christ, and this will be the 10th portrait that we've looked at, we find no title, the great physician. Often the Lord Jesus Christ is referred to by that title. We see him associated with the word physician many times throughout the scripture, but great physician is something that we have applied to him, and I believe rightfully so. I think that anything that God does through his son Jesus Christ is great. It's superb, it's beyond uh, anything that we can do. If there were other physicians in the area, no doubt Christ was supreme above them. And so the great physician is a good title that is a sincere observation of this portrait of Christ. The subject of Jesus, our great physician, appears perhaps more than any other portrait we see in the Bible. Because through him being the great physician, we understand his mercy. As a matter of fact, the word Bethesda means house of mercy. And that's where this pool was situated near the Sheep Gate in the northern part of Jerusalem as the Lord Jesus Christ made his way there. Now, just a year and a half ago, we had the privilege with some others to go to that very pool, the Pool of Bethesda. There we could see the five porches that surrounded the area that the Bible talks about. There we could see the steps at the far end as they came down into the water where people would bathe themselves. Now, even some scholars and theologians have said that this pool was not likely stirred by any angel, but the Bible says it was. It says it's likely just a pool that had some medicinal qualities. Perhaps sulfur would bubble up and heal the wounds of people. But I want you to notice that the Bible says people were made whole. It does not just speak of external wounds. It speaks of the entire body being made whole. Furthermore, if it was a pool that only healed one person between each visit by this angel, that would not be attributable to science at all, would it? 
for a pool that would have some sort of healing property. And I, and I think probably in the world today there are such type spas and things that if we were to dip ourselves into them, it would help with certain ailments and maybe arthritis would be loosened up somewhat and maybe some external sores and things could be healed by those waters. But the fact that this only healed the first person debunks any myth that this was a natural phenomenon. This was God sending his angel the place was called Bethesda, the house of mercy, and perhaps it was named such because of the stirring of the angel, but in my mind, I like to think it was called that, and then God said, I will show you true mercy. And he would send his angel to stir the water, and those that were first in would be healed of all their remedies. The Lord Jesus Christ visited such a place, and I must say that he'd have to go out of his way to do so. I don't remember it being along the paths of Jerusalem that we weave through. I don't, I don't remember it being just something that we would happen along. We had to go there on purpose. As a matter of fact, the Lord Jesus Christ was of sound body. There was no indication that any of the disciples needed to go to this pool. And so it was very likely he went there on purpose. To show mercy at the house of mercy. You know, this subject of Jesus being our great physician is perhaps one that draws more people to him than any other. It's a lot easier to accept that he is our physician than that he is our judge. We like to think of the Lord Jesus Christ as our healer rather than uh, his chastening rod in our lives. We like the idea of a compassionate touch rather than being reminded that whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth. And though God is all of those things, we will... Look at this touch of mercy this morning, the great physician. There are two healings, really, that we must experience that we see in the Word of God, and I'll direct your attention to Mark chapter 2, if you'll turn there with me this morning. Mark chapter 2, and we see the Lord Jesus Christ as the spiritual healer. Mark chapter 2, the spiritual healer. Could I encourage you to do something this morning Maybe there's somebody here today say, Preacher, you don't understand. I have been suffering for many, many years with some sort of ailment in my body, and I, I can't explain it, and, and, and I'm really not sold on this idea that Jesus will heal me physically. I want you to hold on. I have an answer for that, I believe, from the Word of God this morning I, that I think will help you understand. God does not heal everything, but they work for His glory. We'll see that in the scripture this morning. Mark chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 15, and saying, the time was fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea, I'm sorry, I'm in chapter 1. Look at chapter 2. Nobody turned their page, so you must have all been right and I was wrong. Verse 15, and it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he saith unto him, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The Lord Jesus Christ very carefully dispels the myth that he was there just to minister to good people. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set the captive free. We, we understand that Jesus is a spiritual healer. And as he's talking about these sinners, these lost people, these publicans, these tax collectors, these people that were considered wicked, Jesus said, they are the ones that need the physician. He is our spiritual healer. Turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. We see in this passage that Jesus is also the physical healer. The Bible says in verse 23, And he said unto them, He will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we've heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. When the, when, when the people were challenging him to heal himself, what they were saying was, Can you heal in Nazareth? like you also did in Capernaum. It was a reference back to all the many healings he did while around the Sea of Galilee and into that place called Capernaum where Jesus spent much time. It was the city of Peter. It was the city of, as you're walking into Capernaum, there's a large sign that says, 
the town of Jesus. Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem and raised in Nazareth, but the bulk of his ministry was spent in a place called Capernaum. And as he came into Nazareth, they said, Physician, heal thyself, or heal this town, or heal those Referring to the many healings, Jesus was also a physical healer. The crowds instinctively saw Jesus as a physician. There were many that cried out for mercy and to heal their bodies, and rightfully so. Only One needs only to skim through the Gospels to find out the importance that healings took place in his ministry to the lost. I want to speak for a few minutes this morning on the title, The Great Physician. First of all, we learn from the scripture his title speaks of heartfelt compassion. The title, Great Physician, speaks of heartfelt compassion. Many years ago, we had a family doctor that was rather rough. I won't say his name. I think he's passed away now, but I remember having to go in for an ear infection. The doctor decided he was going to flush out my ears, and so he, back then you didn't go to a specialist for all those things. The doctor just tied you up in the chair and said, hold on, and, and away you went. And so he put me in the chair, and he took this big kind of a plastic syringe and filled it with warm water and whoosh, right into my ear. I wasn't expecting it. I didn't know what he was going to do, and I saw this thing. I didn't know what it had in it. When he shot me in the ear, well, I jumped. I nearly went across the room. I mean, this big old gush of water was probably about half a liter of water in this big tube, and he just poured it right into my ear as fast as he could, and I mean, I jumped out of the chair. It knocked me silly. My doctor grabbed me by the ear and pulled me right back into that chair. You sit up straight there, and he grabbed me by the ear. It was kind of rough. He didn't have a great bedside manner. It wasn't long. We were looking for another doctor. And we, we went somewhere else. I think my mom was glad she saw it. That way she didn't have to get beat up the next time she went. And so we started looking for another doctor because of his best. Which we never had to worry about that. The title, Great Physician, spoke of his heartfelt compassion. He had a bedside manner like no others. He wept tears beside those that were hurting and lost. Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 this morning. The Bible says in verse 29, And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold... Two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Now look what it says. So Jesus had compassion. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Everywhere the Lord went, he showed compassion. Did he heal everybody? No, we learned from Pastor Vasek a few weeks ago that, that when he came to the same pool of Bethesda that we're talking about in John chapter 5, that he literally had to step over the multitudes to get to that one impotent man. The one man that could not help himself into the pool. The one man that laid there for 38 years with an infirmity, and yet he bypassed so many others to reach that one. But I, I must say this, I believe he had compassion on all of them. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. It wasn't selective. It wasn't a matter of the Lord Jesus Christ showing grace upon one and withholding it from another. His compassion was across the board, though he chose to work in only a few. Turn, if you will, to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Just forward a few pages in your Bibles this morning. Mark chapter 1. And look at verse 40. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, 
put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. I want you to notice that there was two elements here that make this miracle uh, take place. The Bible says that in verse 40, the leper came to him and he said this, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. The leper recognized the ability of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he was hoping he also had the desire. That was what was necessary. Jesus had all power. All power is given unto me, Jesus said. And, and we see throughout the Bible that Jesus had power even over death. Now it comes down to desire. And the Bible says that his desire was expressed in this way. Jesus moved with compassion. Notice that Jesus touched him. In verse 41 it says he put forth his hand and touched him. That's not what healed him. And saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had what? Spoken. Immediately the leprosy departed. The Lord Jesus Christ did not need to touch this leper. The Bible says he was healed by the spoken word. Jesus spoke and as soon as he had spoken, the leprosy departed from his body. There was no need to touch this man. But I want to suggest to you this morning that this was a touch of compassion. When was the last time this man had any physical contact? I'm not, I'm not trying to twist scripture. I'm not trying to make it sound like something that is inappropriate. But physical contact is essential as human beings. We greet one another by shaking hands. There's just something about clasping hands, even men clasping hands together that, that talks about camaraderie and brotherhood and that you are accepted and I love you. And the Lord Jesus Christ, by touching that man, let him know he was loved. The term great physician tells us about his heartfelt compassion. Now turn back to John chapter 5, our text for this morning, and let's look at this man at the pool of Bethesda. I want you to notice the people that were there. In verse 3 it says, In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Jesus, on purpose, went to a place where the diseased, the disabled, and the downtrodden were. This was the bad part of town. This was a place that most people would avoid if they could. This is a place where you might catch something. This is a place that you would go and maybe you'd come away sick. And this wasn't a place that, uh, that the weak of heart or the uh, weak of stomach were to go. This was a place that no doubt was just filthy and dirty and filled with disease. But the Lord Jesus Christ reached out and went there. I want you to notice the season in verse 1. It says, after this, there was a feast to the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. This was a time where the city was very busy. I, I just want you to get across something this morning. Jesus, the great physician, showed compassion during a time was was very, very busy. I believe that the Lord planned every single detail for a purpose, and we'll show you that this morning. The season is when many would have been in town. People had come up for the feast in Jerusalem. The Bible says in verse 8, Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now, if this were a Sunday, the man could have picked up his bed and he could have thrown it over his shoulder. And I, I want to I believe that the bed was probably just a mat. It was probably just a little rug or something that he could roll up and carry. And if it were Sunday and he were to walk home with this rug hung over his shoulder, how many people would have noticed? Nobody. If it were Monday and he picks up his rug and he's walking through the city and going home, how many people would have noticed? Nobody. What if it were Tuesday or Wednesday? But what if it were the Sabbath? Everybody would have noticed. Because this man was boldly walking through the city and breaking the law of God. Boy, the Pharisees took notice. 
You see what I mean? Jesus planned every detail. Any other day of the week, this touch of compassion would have gone unnoticed, but Jesus had a purpose. And so on the Sabbath day, he healed this man, and the man took up his bed, and he walked, and on the same day with the Sabbath, the verse 10 says, the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. And I like what his answer was. He answered them, he that made me whole, the same said unto me, take up thy bed and walk. Can I translate that? You Pharisees have never done a thing for me, so I'm not listening to you anymore. But Jesus healed me. And when he says, take up your bed and walk, I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey the one that healed me. Man, I like that answer. Hey, what has Jesus done for you? Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth, for consider how great things he hath done for you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. I've preached a message on that before, Romans 12.1, and I got thinking, if I were to write the scripture, I would have said, I, I, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God. But he says, by the mercies of God, God wants us to count our blessings. He wants us to take the time and figure all the little mercies he shows us each and every day. And in light of all of that, he says, I want you to present your body a living sacrifice and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Give your life to Jesus Christ. And this man did just that. He says, because Jesus healed me, I'm going to obey him. I'm going to do what he says just because of a touch of compassion. The behavior of the Lord Jesus Christ must lead us to believe that he was more concerned with drawing souls through this miracle than anything else. Why? Look what it says. Verse 12, Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was. He didn't even know. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, now look at this, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus. Why did Jesus come back to the man? Why did Jesus reveal himself? Because he was concerned about the man's soul. He says, you're made whole. Now go and sin no more. You see, there was a purpose here. Jesus did not do like some other miracles. He did, did not do this one in secret. He did it with a, a distinct purpose that he might draw other people to him. Boy, the Jews got angry. They began to persecute him. But I want to say a lot of other people saw the power of God and the compassion of Christ. Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 9. Keep a finger in John 5. We'll come back there, but look at Matthew chapter 9. Jesus' compassion is always concerned about the soul. Matthew chapter 9. Praise the Lord for that rain. Do you hear it? Amen. I know the farmers are glad. Well, I've got to be honest with you. I, I've... You can clip this out later, Brother Judge. It has nothing to do with the message. I've always struggled when, when churches say, we're having a church picnic, let's pray for no rain. Hey, the farmers need rain more than we need a picnic. Amen? We ought to be careful about those uh, consuming it upon our own lusts. Amen? Uh, that's just, that won't even buy you a coffee. Amen. Matthew chapter 9. Verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved on compassion on them. Why? Because they were sick and hurting and dying and leprous? No. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. You know, Jesus could have healed the multitudes at the pool of Bethesda. He could have done that. He could have caused a tidal wave of conversions. Yet, he chose to use one man to have an impact on others. Let me say this this morning. Don't you under, underestimate, don't ever underestimate the effect of one person who has been truly touched by Jesus. 
Don't underestimate the power that God can show through their lives. This title, Great Physician, speaks of his heartfelt compassion. Secondly, this morning, this title, Great Physician, speaks of a healing conduit. There is no instance in the Bible that Christ is called more than physician. But to attach that word great is certainly appropriate. He is our healer in a physical sense. And doctors have been given to us by God. I don't, I don't deny that. The Bible, I think Jesus brought in Luke as one of his disciples on purpose so that we might know that he endorses physicians. Luke was called the beloved physician. He was a doctor. There were other doctors. The, the woman that had the infirmity of blood had gone to doctors her entire life. And I don't believe that Jesus was displeased by that at all. But we need to understand today that God ultimately, even when doctors are involved, our healing comes from God. Several years ago when we were in Edmonton, my wife and I, we were at the Pastors Fellowship, the National Pastors Fellowship. In the back seat was Pastor Stone and Pastor Rempel. And uh, I got a call. And we heard that Casey had cancer. And we had stopped for something. We had to pull over to the side of the road. I'm not even sure why. I don't remember. But I, got a, a, I noticed I had a message. So while we were doing whatever, I checked my messages. And that's when we heard the news. My wife and I just started crying. We started praying with Pastor Stone and Pastor Rempel didn't know Casey, but we started praying. When I came home, the first thing I said to Casey, I said, Casey, I said, don't ever, ever say I'm going to beat this. You just give it to the Lord and let him take care of it. And if, if you see progress, you see healing, you give God the glory. Don't you steal his glory for a minute. Because when we steal his glory, God will say, okay, if you want to do it on your own, you can't afford to do this on your own. You give him all the glory. And I believe she did. And I believe God healed her. I talked to Brother Taves and Brother Taves, I mean, Tracy, we walked in that hospital and literally a week to live. Wasn't that what we were told that night? One week. He'll be lucky to live a week. Where's Art today? Back on the road. Praise the Lord. I said to Art, I said, Art, do you ever... Ask God why he healed you. Massive tumor all through his body. His leg for months, tumors, blood clots. And, I mean, it just seemed like if anybody had no hope, humanly speaking, it was Art Taves. And we talked about it, and we talked about it. And he says, you know, Pastor? He says, I don't know. He says, but I've come to this. He says, I wonder sometimes, did God only heal me so that he could show people like Casey it can be done. What a great attitude. God sometimes uses us just to be an example to others. So that we can look and say, God healed them. He can heal me. He uses it to give hope. I want you to know also, and we'll look at the scripture in a moment, sometimes God also allows us to continue in suffering that we might also bring him glory. That's sometimes difficult to swallow and hard to accept, but it's very true, and we'll see it in the scripture this morning. Turn, if you will, to Mark chapter five. Mark chapter five this morning. As we look at how Jesus can heal us in a physical sense, in Mark chapter five, of course, the story of that woman with the issue of blood in verse 25, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians. I, I don't think doctors like that verse. She had suffered because of the doctors and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Listen, Jesus has the power. We cannot deny that through scripture. 
He is the one that we ought to turn to. His title speaks of a healing conduit. He has the power of God to touch lives and to change them and heal. In verse 30, the Bible says, And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned to him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? Is anybody else ever surprised at how the disciples talked to Jesus? You ever notice that? So, man, they... They, they had a problem with faith, but so do we. You're not going to Jerusalem, Jesus. Get thee behind me, Satan. Boy, they were flippant sometimes towards Jesus. The disciples said, what do you mean? Come on. There's multitudes around. Verse 31, and his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest, Who touched me? And he looked around, about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. I want you to notice, I believe that Jesus says two different things here. One, he says, thy faith hath made thee whole. And secondly, he says, go and be whole of thy plague. I believe the first is a spiritual healing. Because of her faith, her faith pleased God, Hebrews chapter 11. And she was whole, not just physically, but spiritually as well. And then he said, secondly, be whole of thy plague. He healed her physically as well. This was a double healing. That God wrought upon her life. God sometimes allows a physical problem to serve a spiritual purpose. Then we see that God is also the great physician. He's a healing conduit in the physical sense, but also in the spiritual sense. In Luke chapter 4, in Luke chapter 4, keep turning, we're almost done. In Luke chapter 4, the Bible says in verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Do you see that phrase, heal the brokenhearted? We sang about that this morning in our Sunday school class. The Wilsons and I have the grades 4, 5, and 6. And we've had a good time with them, and we sang this morning. I said, listen, now when we go to church this morning, we're going to sing He's Able. We're going to sing Victory in Jesus, then we're going to sing He's Able. Right after, I said, I want the church to hear you guys singing out. So I said, let's practice it, and we sang He's Able. And I like when it says, He heals the brokenhearted and sets the captive free. Hey, He's the healer of broken hearts, and when He talks about captivity, we were bound in our sins. But Jesus can heal us in a spiritual sense. Now, physical ailments and suffering at times serve their purpose in our lives. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You know what? We're running out of time. Let me, you, you know the verse. First of all, physical ailments serve a purpose in our lives because they remind us of the sufficient grace of God. You remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that Paul was plagued by a thorn in the flesh. He said, I prayed three times or thrice, as the Bible puts it, to have this thorn in the flesh removed, and he learned that God's grace is sufficient. Paul also learned that when he was weak, God was made strong in the very same passage of Scripture. Therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We are to understand that sometimes God allows physical ailments in our lives that we might learn of the sufficient grace of God. Also, secondly, that we might show God's grace through trials to others. People are watching, and they need to see the grace of God as we struggle through these things in our lives. If I can sum it up this way, it isn't about you. It isn't about you. Sometimes we get sick and we say, why has this happened to me? It's not about you. It's about the grace of God in your life and how you will bring him much glory. That's what it's about. Now, I, I'm going to be honest with you. One day I'll get sick. Don't we all? And one day I'll have to practice what I preach. I remember as a 10-year-old boy my appendix ruptured. And how many of you remember going to the doctor 30 years ago? 
and you had to wait for eight hours in the doctor's office. Do you remember that? It's because back then doctors delivered babies. They did everything. It's all specialized now. But you'd be sitting in the doctor's office and you'd see the doctor going out with his coat on. What's going on? Well, there might have been a car accident or there might have been something he was needed at the hospital. Baby was being born, what have you. And so as a kid, I learned real quick, I don't want to go to the doctor. I'll sit there for four or five hours. I remember it was a Wednesday and I was in great pain and I was sick. But I didn't dare tell my mom. I was sick enough to stay home from school, but that didn't take much. And so I I just kind of, and I remember Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday waiting until she was washing somebody's hair, and then I would crawl to the bathroom so she wouldn't see me. Because I just knew I'd have to go to the doctor. Well, finally on Sunday, Dad says, if you're not going to school tomorrow, we're going to take you to the doctor. And I went, oh, great. But something happened that afternoon. I don't even remember what happened, but it was bad enough that he said, we got to go to the hospital now. And the doctor literally said, Dad said, if he wasn't going to school tomorrow, we were going to bring him in. And the doctor says, he may not have made it till morning. It had already ruptured. It was bad. And I remember immediately, oh, man. I, first of all, when Dad took me to the hospital, I said, no, I, I don't want to stay overnight, Dad. You won't have to stay overnight. Just get checked out. And when the doctor says he's going to have to have surgery, I just looked at my dad. Uh-huh. You lied. And I, I, just, I just remember all this going through my head. But the next thing I remembered, mom will probably remember this too, call Dr. Strachan. I was scared. Get him praying for me. I need, get, get Dr. And it was a Sunday night, and she says, well, he's in the middle of a service. I said, I don't care. They got that phone up there that flashes. Do you remember me saying that? I said, they got a phone up there. Call that phone. Get him on. I need, I was scared. She says, that's just for the sound booth so he can keep Rob in line. Rob was only 10 too, I'm just kidding. And I was just so scared and I just, and I look back on that and I got thinking, you know, praise the Lord that God's grace was enough to say to a little boy, pray. I wasn't some big Christian. I just, I just knew in Sunday school that when things go like this, we need to pray. And I'm thankful that God was there that night and said, you need to pray. My doctor was a Christian. It was Dr. Peters. And I remember when we got into that, that room, he says, all right. He says, we're going to inject this stuff, and it's going to put you to sleep. He says, can we pray first? And he prayed with me that night. Thank the Lord for that. We are going to be pressured, and we are going to have these physical ailments we need to let people see God through them. He won't always remove them. They are to bring him glory. And those physical ailments also draw us closer to God. How many of you know you pray better when you're not feeling well? You pray better when you're going through a trial. You draw closer to the Lord. There was a gentleman by the name of Lawson Crow in Stony Creek when we first went there in 1994. And when we met Lawson, he already had liver cancer. And he'd already been given just a few months to live. And, and Brother Massacre told me this. He says, we hardly ever saw him in church. He says, he'd come once a month maybe. And he'd bring his daughter to Sunday school once in a while. We never saw him in church. And he says, but since he's had this cancer, he says, he never misses a service. He says he sits on the front row and we sing and tears come down his face. He has been drawn closer to the Lord through this trial. You know, though the Lord sometimes allows us to go through physical trials, I cannot think of a time ever that God allows us to suffer spiritually. Think of these scriptures. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Hey, that invitation's to everybody. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. He says this, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you are sin sick today and your soul is lost, you can come to Jesus. There's no exception to the rule. He always, always heals spiritually. And then lastly this morning, we see that this title, Great Physician, speaks of his compassion, his heartfelt compassion. It speaks of a heavenly conduit but it speaks thirdly of a heavenly connection. Turn, if you will, to Luke chapter five, or John chapter five, and we'll just finish up here quickly. In John chapter five, the Jews stepped in in verse 16, and therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day, but Jesus answered them, here's what he said, my father worketh hitherto, 
and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. In verse 10 and 11, we already learned that the impotent man decided to obey the one with the power to heal him rather than the Pharisees and their misunderstanding of God's law. But in the verses following the healing, we learn of Christ's authority and his power based upon what? His connection to his father. He just simply says, my father worketh hitherto, and I work. Why was Jesus able to be the great physician? He was just doing the will of his father. Here's a truth I want you to get this morning. It's not just Jesus that loves you. His father loves you too. You know, sometimes we look at Jesus as that mediator. He is our mediator. We look at at Jesus as the only one that has compassion, and Jesus is the one that shed his blood, and Jesus is the one that taught us how to love one another and to be kind to one another and, and to care about one another, and it's Jesus that has all those great quotes in the Bible about loving your brother and loving your enemies and loving your neighbor as yourself, and it's Jesus that taught us all about those things, but I want you to know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus said, I'm doing all these things because my Father, my Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Verse 19, then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. God loves you. Friends, what this boils down to is this. The impotent meant the omnipotent. The one with no power of himself, not even enough to drag his tired body into the pool of Bethesda, met the one with all power given from on high. Does God heal every physical need? No, because they have a purpose. They have a purpose to draw you closer to him. They have a purpose to show his glory through you to others. They have a purpose that you might bring much glory to God. Can he heal you? Yes, he can if he desires. We just have to trust the will of God for our lives. But let me say this this morning. If you have a spiritual illness, God always will answer. I never see in the Bible even once, I, if, you can, if you can find it and correct me, I will take the correction. I cannot even find one time where God does not desire to heal somebody spiritually. I believe in Romans chapter one, we read about those that God has turned over to a reprobate mind, but we also know that scripture teaches us that it's the, the, uh, the world that will chasten them. And they too, I believe, can be saved if they'll call out to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, whosoever called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, know this this morning. He is able. We have victory in Jesus through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And though he may not touch your body and heal you of a physical need, can you do this and accept the purpose he has in it? You might pray today, God, I've I've got this arthritis issue. I've got this heart problem. I've got this physical, I'm suffering with migraines, whatever it might be. And you may ask God to heal you because we have not, because we ask not. But can you also submit yourself to the will of God and say, Lord, I understand if you receive more glory from this than you will from taking it away from me. I understand that your grace is sufficient. I understand that you're trying to lead me into a closer relationship with you. But it has to come through the submission of the will to the will of God for our lives and the glory of the Father. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning as we pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you like Paul did who said, I will rather glory in my infirmities. Lord, we understand that there's times where in your compassion and your love for us, your desire would be to heal every problem that we have. But we must also accept that there are times where you receive more glory through our suffering. That you are glorified further 
by our trouble than by our healing. That you are molding something in our lives and you are drawing us closer to you spiritually. The Bible says we're not to fear those that can destroy the body, but we should fear rather those that can destroy the body and soul in hell. So Father, our soul is so much more important than our our physical body. And so I pray that you'd help us to grasp that concept. And Lord, we do praise you and thank you that you are the great physician. We thank you that you have the power to heal. We thank you that you have the desire to heal many. We thank you, Lord, that you have the desire to spiritually heal all who will call upon your name. Father, bless our time of invitation today. We pray that you'd move upon our hearts, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And the altar's open even now if God has spoke to your heart. I'm not going to call you forward this morning if you need a healing and put my hand on your forehead or speak in tongues or any of that nonsense that we see. If God wants to heal you, He could heal you just by a simple prayer of faith. I believe that. God is able. But I believe we also must be willing to accept that God may not heal us. That God is working things together in our lives for good. That He is striving to express to you His sufficient grace and that we might see His glory and others might be encouraged. Would you accept it? But maybe there's one here today that doesn't know Christ as their Savior. You're spiritually sick. Christ wants to heal you today. You say, you don't understand how bad I am. Ephesians 2 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You don't get any sicker than dead. That's the the end of it. That's the final step. And the word quicken means he'll make you alive. He'll save you today if you'll just trust in him. He wants to heal you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe you're suffering, you're a saved person, you're a Christian today, but you're struggling with some other things spiritually. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Would you come to him today? Allow him to heal your soul. Brother Baker's going to sing a verse of this song. If God has spoke to your heart, would you step out and come? Somebody would be glad to pray with you, meet with you. If you need to be saved, would you step out and come today?